Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Sam Cox, a Fresh Saints contributor on Twitter and at www.freshsaints.com. Hi everyone, my name is Thomas Bach. I'm the editor of wallsblog.com, which is unsurprisingly a fan site dedicated to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at wallsblog, at facebook.com forward slash wallsblog, or on the website itself at wallsblog.com. Awesome, well thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Pretty good week for both of you, but of course we'll get into that in a bit. First I want to start off uh, with news and notes up front, we'll talk about the team of the year, which has already been announced. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like player and young player of the year will be announced by the time uh, we're done recording this. But Manchester City and Liverpool end up taking 10 of the 11 spots in the team of the year, uh, which is obviously a lot. Usually you have a bit more diversity, but both of them have been fairly dominant this season. Did you think that was kind of fair to to show how much they've succeeded in the Premier League this season? Or would you have liked to see a bit more diversity in that team? I think it's completely fair, to be honest with you. Um, I was slightly surprised that it wasn't 11 Manchester City or, or Liverpool combination. Um, just the fact that Liverpool and Man City have been so dominant this season, um, the fact that 97 points might not be enough for Liverpool to win the league sounds a little bit ludicrous to me. But that's, that's the fact and that's the state of play. Um, and I think if you go through the team, you can't really argue any any position apart from maybe... Pogba's inclusion, but again, there's there's always reasons for his inclusion and, and reasons against that. But as I say, I think 10 is, is fine. I think it's a fair reflection of how a season goes. I think if you can look across uh, PFA team of the years from, from years gone by, it sort of gives a reflection of how the season's gone, how certain teams have done or how certain players have performed. And I think if you look back at this season, I think it just shows the domination of the two side, which which this season has been. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they're... I don't know what the criteria is. I didn't read a lot about the voting. The one thing I, I was looking at was thinking, well, how do they decide on a formation? <laughs> I'm sure it used to be 4-4-2, and now it's 4-3-3. <laughs> and it's like, when when did they switch this? And what is the... Because obviously the big omission... Well, Salah wasn't in it, was he? I don't think. Um, I can't remember. I can't, I'm pulling off the team in my head. But I don't think... I think Salah... Did Salah miss out? Am I right in thinking? Yeah, that? yeah, he did indeed. They had Aguero, Sterling, and was it Mane? Mane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So obviously you're looking at it and going, well, couldn't they just play two in midfield? And you know, Salah should have been there. But I'm guessing what they what they've done is they because formations have kind of been updated over the years. They've probably gone, okay, vote for four defenders, three midfielders, three attackers, and then. I think sometimes they might be taking that too literally <laughs> in the midfield sense because you're thinking, well, which three players? Because I think 
The one thing I'd say is there hasn't really been standout performers in the Man City and Liverpool teams in central midfield. I think they've been good players. I think Fernandinho got in. Bernardo Silva was the other one, wasn't he? I mean, Bernardo Silva's not really a central midfielder, is he? He's not really a midfielder. He's sort of been playing as a sort of wide attacking sort of player in a, in a kind of fluid formation. So I think the formation is is questionable. And so I'd be interested to dig into the criteria about how they're doing it. Um, but yeah, I don't think Pogba should have been in under any criteria personally. Um, and um, But yeah, I mean, to go back to your original question, it should have definitely been 11 players from Man City and Liverpool just because they, they're so much better than everyone else. Any Man City player or Liverpool player that has made over 30 appearances this season, thus has made a significant contribution to their position, should have been in the team. And that's how it should have been worked out. But it's voted for by players, don't know the criteria, which is probably why you get that kind of anomaly, which is uh, Pogba being in the team. Mm. I do think it's a little bit strange. I, I do agree with uh, you guys, by the way. I think it's a little interesting that it's Ederson and not Allison that actually made the team of the year considering Liverpool lead the lead lead the league in clean sheets and le- have less goals conceded I just yeah, thought that, that was yeah. an interesting flip-flop but I, I think it's one of the reasons why if <laughs> this could be wrong by the time anyone listens to this um, but I think it's one of the reasons why Van Dyke might not win player of the year is I think it's really hard to to differentiate who has made that Liverpool defense so great obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson developing has been great Van Dyke was there for that kind of four or five month period after the January window last year. But like their success this year is largely because of both Van Dyke and Allison. I think they might split some votes there. Um, and, and maybe that's why uh, the uh, Allison was in the, wasn't in the team of the year. Although I almost just said the Brazilian keeper and then realized that Ederson sure is one of those two. Um, uh, yeah, but I do agree. It, sh- it probably should have been all city in Liverpool. It is a little weird that Pogba went in, but as you said, uh, Thomas, it is the players that voted them in. Uh, assuming that that's also how you feel, Sam, that he's kind of the question mark, who would you have seen take that spot? Yeah, definitely the, the question mark when it when it was announced was, was Paul Pogba. Um, as, as you said as well, um, and, and Tom said it as well, about the Liverpool and Manchester City midfielders, if they're playing a 4-3-3, then you've got to look at central midfielders. Fernandinho is the only real standout in that position, for both, you know, for both teams. Um, I personally, I've probably gone left field again. Um, every time I've seen Aaron Ramsey play for Arsenal this season, I think he's been excellent. Um, I probably would have put him in there over Pogba. Um, and it, every time I see him play, and every time I watch Arsenal play, it, it just baffles me how they're letting him go on a free. But if, again, looking at Liverpool and City, how dominant they've been, I think Henderson and Milner, they've had a really strong case to get in there over Pogba as well. So, yeah, the question mark was definitely over Pogba. And and I know the question mark was uh, was raised, well, why Hazard wasn't in there over Pogba, but then that touches on the, the formation issue. Because if you're going to go with three central midfielders, Hazard is most definitely not one of them. So that's probably why he missed out in terms of the three attacking players, I think the, the three that have been chosen have had better seasons than him. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, to answer your question, I would have probably gone with Wijnaldum um, mm-hmm. in midfield just because I I did do a little bit of research, actually. Uh, <laughs> to back up my point about players who've made around 30-odd appearances plus for their teams, and Wijnaldum's played around 30 for Liverpool player I've always been impressed with whenever I've seen him live in games as well as on the TV just really athletic difficult to knock off the ball uses the ball quite well 
like Henderson at times, he can be a bit of a water carrier when he goes under the radar. But I think he really helps um, Liverpool tick. So Wayne Alden would have been the player would have put in that formation. Um, but then again, if you're tweaking the formation, then Salah is desperately unlucky not to be in the team. Um, Hazard, I think, kind of had a real dip. And I know that because I put him in my fantasy team and he was absolutely <laughs> diabolical for the period of time that he was in my team. So I know that he had a bad time of it for a while. Um, so That's yeah, so, tradition for him. Yeah, yeah. And as always with these things, it's like, when was it actually voted for? Because it was probably voted for in that purple patch when Man United were tonking yeah. everybody and, uh, and Pogba looked like the world, you know, the world great that he's always done. But don't get me wrong, I'm going to dig Paul Pogba. I think he's actually a very good player. I think athletic, rangy, and, and he's, you know, kind of hiding to nothing in, in a poor Man United team. I think he carries the can too often for that team. But yeah, he shouldn't have been in there. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, I would have gone with Wayne Alden. Yeah, I've obviously seen some Tottenham fans saying that Eriksen should have been in there uh, statistically, but he he really hasn't had that great of a season um, from my perspective. And so, yeah, it does kind of leave you in this weird spot where maybe the 4-3 through three doesn't really benefit him. As both of you said, Hazard and Salah the ones to miss out, which would make it a 4-2-4 four, four? <laughs> or, yes. or something like that. So, uh, yeah, a little bit difficult there. But uh, all in all, I think we're all agreeing they got 10 of the 11 right, and then it's really hard to... to know what to do with that 11th spot um based on an actual footballing formation as is always the issue kind of with these uh team of the year formats all right uh so not city or liverpool but the rest of the teams in that top six all battling for top four all of them struggling right now tottenham the only one of any of them to have won in their last three matches all four of those clubs combined have picked up six of an available 36 points over the last three weeks why do you guys think that these clubs chasing those Champions League spots have been struggling so much of late? Well, personally, I can't really put my finger on it. Um, I think maybe perhaps seeing two teams such as City and Liverpool dominate a league has an adverse effect of where they really are in terms of their progression of challenging the league. I think all, all four challenging for the last two spots probably saw themselves as title challenges or having an outside chance of challenging for the title and as the season's unraveled and progressed they, they realize they're so far off the pace that perhaps it has caught up with them and um they're just struggling really to find the bit of form uh one that confuses me the most was was, was tottenham i mean a few a few months ago we we're talking in the same breath as a title challenge and then they've gone off the boil moved to the new stadium and, and picked up a bit of form but again a defeat at home to to west ham a team who have been really inconsistent this season was a was a shock result really. Um, but again, you can always look at avenues such as the, the competitions. I know Arsenal and and Chelsea are still fighting for the Europa League. But again, the the riches of the Europa League win is Champions League space. So it it, it leaves me scratching my head a little bit why they would prioritise. I can see why Arsenal now two two points off the pace as Chelsea after this week would go for the champion uh, the Europa League. Sorry. Um, and obviously Tottenham are in the Champions League semi-final. So I think in, in regards to that, I think Tottenham have got one eye on the Champions League, um, Champions League semi-final. They've got a fantastic chance of getting through. I know Ajax have been the surprise of the tournament, but I think if Tottenham take that game more seriously than Juventus and Real Madrid, then they've got a fantastic chance of getting to the final of the Champions League. Um, the problems of Manchester United are the same that Jose Mourinho uh, inherited. I think they had the... The new manager bounce, Gunnar Solskjaer was 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 interim, so the players had to perform for him. 
Um, and I think it's just the, the problems that run deeper at United are the reason why they haven't been able to hold much of a, of, of a challenge of late. So I think, it's, I think it's just personal problems at each club to answer the question. I think Chelsea had a, a lot of um, questions over, over Sari's future. I, didn't think, I think that hindered. Arsenal, again, have been quite inconsistent this season, picking up points where you least, least expect them to do so. And then in, in games where you expect them to do so, they, they, they come a bit unstuck. So to answer the question, as I said, I think it's just personal problems at each club. They're almost fighting battles within themselves, you know, on top of the battles on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I'd uh, I'd agree with everything that Sam just said. Um, I suppose I I would add, as one of the teams who have been in that bracket immediately below those teams, um, that I think the teams outside City and Liverpool um, they're just finding it harder to beat. I think the gap is closing between everyone else and those you know the the other teams. Um, I think uh, you know there's, there's it. The te- even the teams at the very bottom of the league, the gap between that and the, and the top, you know, the teams from third to sixth isn't actually as big as it has been in previous years. Um, OK, those teams are in a bad moment, but they still probably would feel they shouldn't have dropped the points that they have dropped um, against certain teams. Um, I, don't, I, I look at Wolves, Watford and Leicester today, who obviously saw off Arsenal fairly comfortably. There isn't a massive amount of um, difference between those teams. I would put, I would take Spurs out of that bracket slightly because I think they're just their squads a bit thin. I think they're tired. They've had a long season. That's why they, you know, they're poming over a few points. But I just think Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man United just aren't there. They're not, you know, I, I just don't think they're in a good moment, as Sam alluded to. Um, and and yeah, I just think because it's a combination of the the teams in the around that middle clutch of teams, and there's a lot. So I'd say Wolves from seventh down to what Newcastle and Palace maybe were like thirteenth, fourteenth. That group of teams there are all very competent, decent footballing teams, and they're very difficult to beat on a game by game basis. Um, you know, even Sam would say, I mean, Southampton gave Liverpool a good run for their money for a good portion of their recent fixture. So they're not easy games. So I think that that gap is actually shrinking because I think the Premier League is improving. All the teams have been able to get decent calibre players. Um, so it is hard, you know, and it, and it kind of, in a way, it makes Liverpool and Man City's achievement all the more remarkable with the points they've managed to amass. Um, yeah, so I, and, but I think it's a positive for the league. Um, because I could easily see in the years to come that actually it might not just be the same two or three teams going for those third and fourth places. So I think there's a there's a chink of armour there, and I think there's there's a space for potentially other teams to to get into that mix. Yeah, really good points by both of you. I think another thing that's in play here isn't just that they're all still in Europe, and I think they've all played fifty plus games at this point, which is just a lot of football for squads that aren't very deep like you mentioned with Tottenham I mean Vincent Jansen who was frozen out of the squad for the last year um, is now the player coming on and almost uh, getting us level against West Ham so depth is certainly an issue there Um, and uh, Sam I thought you made an excellent point on um, the the top four not having been the priority that probably was meant to be the title um, for each of these teams and I think it's also currently the second priority for three of the four with Arsenal and Chelsea still in the Europa League and Tottenham still in the Champions League, once you make it to a semi-final for a major European trophy, that has to become the objective. 
Obviously, chairman like Daniel Levy will very much not agree with that because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, guaranteeing yourself that Champions League money next year um, is more stable. That that helps the club sustain its level of success, as Arsenal fans will recall from their many, many top four finishes. Um, but all of them, I think all of their eyes are elsewhere. So not only are there squad depth issues, but you aren't trying to play your best teams. I mean, the, Tottenham's 11 this week was weird. It was four center backs and two wing backs again, I think, if memory serves. Because um, yeah. you have Dyer at, at defensive midfield, you start Foyth at right wing back. So it's just, it's, it's, oh, sorry, two left backs because it was Danny Rose and Ben Davis that were both on. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, I, I don't think it's just that they're all still in Europe. They aren't just tired and fatigued, but their current attentions are still probably elsewhere. I mean, you can take the pep approach and just say we're challenging all fronts, but that takes a much deeper, much more talented, much more expensive squad to be able to legitimately do it. Otherwise, you just need to rely on health. And I'd say Chelsea probably are the most able of dealing with that. But like Arsenal, you mentioned maybe they should try to keep Ramsey, but he's hurt again during this stretch while they're faltering, trying to kind of clear that last hurdle. With Tottenham, I mean, Kane suffering another ankle injury. They all seem like bad luck, but, you know, how much longer are those ankle ligaments going to be okay? I'm hoping that he ends up getting surgery. Um, But now there's a chance we're trying to rush him back for the Champions League final in case we uh, don't overlook Ajax, as those before us have done, as you said. Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's a mess. I think the only people that don't have that excuse is Manchester United. Obviously, Drew Barcelona, probably as soon as you see that, you aren't expecting to go through. So maybe that's when you tweak your priorities a little bit. But they just upended PSG in the round before. So how do you not feel confidence there? But since then, obviously, I think they've been the worst off. And I think that's reflected in the table. But um, yeah, it's just a mess. As you guys have said, it's lots of small things for all of these clubs. But it is still interesting that it's happening to all of them at the same time. All right, and we will wrap up by talking about players at the other end of the table. Uh, Sam, you don't have to worry. You're already safe. Uh, that <laughs> officially confirmed this week, so you're out of this care category. Um, we could throw Brighton players if, if you're feeling it, but uh, we always do the show towards the end of the season. Which players from the relegated sides or in the relegation battle uh, do you think your clubs will be interested in potentially picking up, or do you think we'll stay in the Premier League uh, on the whole? I personally wouldn't go anywhere near Huddersfield squads or... 99% of Cardiff's squad with a barge pile, to be honest with you. Um, I think the only player for, from Cardiff's squad who I would personally like, who's impressed me when I've seen him twice this season, was Victor Camarasa. Um, I think he has qualities to fit well in a Premier League side. Um, as I said with Huddersfield, the, the quality of the league caught up with them this season you know, through fo- no fault of their own. Um, but as I said, those squads on paper... Um, just don't possess the quality needed for for longevity in the Premier League. I mean, look, Cardiff have been fantastic this season with with what they've got. Neil Warnock has done a fantastic job, regardless if they if they go down or if they manage to stay up. If they stay up, uh, there there would be a case for Warnock to be manager of the season, in my opinion, um, due to that that squad on paper. But as I said, I, I, I don't look at those two squad and think. Yeah, there's some real quality in there that, that can get you challenging further up the Premier League table. Fulham, on the other hand, which, as I said, I think the last time I was on the show, we spoke about Fulham. Um, really underwhelming season, but the team on paper looks a cut above the Huddersfield and Cardiffs. Um, and I think Ryan Babbles, 
in the, in the last three victories on the bounce has, has proved to be their star of the team, potentially playing for a move away from the club because there's no there's no chance. I think he he'll be wanting to play championship football next season. Um, I think Ryan Sessegnon, he's had a disappointing campaign, but you know he's still a really young, still a really young lad who, who who's, show, who's showing uh, bags of potential. Um, I would like my club to sign him or or Tom Kearney from Fulham. Again, I think he's another good player who who felt the effects of poor managerial systems and, and a lack of confidence throughout this season. Yeah, I don't think I'd be as harsh as Sam on the... On the <laughs> maybe on Huddersfield. I'll tell you on Huddersfield, because don't forget Huddersfield have doubled Wolves this season. That is our secret chain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a player who's looked good in both of the games is Billing, the midfielder. Uh, he he's quite a, he's quite a good player. Um, he gets around the pitch. He's athletic. He can tackle. He's decent on the ball. Got good size he, as well. Yeah, I think he. The fact that they've been so atrocious, apart from when they played Wolves, um, that it's kind of it's easy to look at them and go, actually, they've been absolute tripe. And I always felt that there was a squad there and a team that were always on the end end of uh, edge of implosion, just because they had so much turnover every summer. Just felt like at one time they were going to get it the balance wrong, and, and that's how it turned out. But yeah, Billing was good. Uh, I wouldn't mind him. I don't think it's a position we necessarily need a player, but I think he may attract some attention. And uh, Moy, um, I think he's he's done enough in his time in the Premier League for someone to think actually he's 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 got something there. And obviously Man City had him on the books at one point, so you know there's there's something there with him. I could see him getting a move to the Premier League. Cardiff, it's a bit tougher because they, um, they, what they did is they went down the road of trying to sign the best players from the championship um, to help them survive in the Premier League, which is always a bit of a, a questionable tactic. Wolves tried to do it before and it doesn't really work that well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's immediately many players in that Cardiff team who, who stood out as being, you know, brilliant. I think Sam picked out the lad. Did they actually own him or was he on loan? From the- no, I think he's still on loan. Yeah. So he's, yeah. 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 I think. Is it? Yeah. So, I mean, he's a, he's a talented, he's more of a technician. Um, but yeah, I mean, there'd be no one in there. I don't think, I'm trying to think in my head who they've got. And whether, I think Etheridge, the goalkeeper's done pretty well this mm. season. Um, he he could be a few penalty might... saves if memory serves. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought he's he's got a good mentality, good head on his shoulders. He I could see him possibly staying in the Premier League. They've got play. They've got a weird mix of players who I mean like players like Junior Hoylett, who's he's been in the Premier League before. He's I don't think he's no anyone's going to take a player like him and up and coming players who probably haven't really done enough. Um, yeah, so I don't, don't think I don't think there's anyone there. Yeah, and then Fulham, you know, it could be a you could pick any number of players from their squad, but I just think it's a dangerous game. I mean, Wolves did it the last time we were in the Premier League. Burnley got relegated, and we signed their top scorer Stephen Fletcher. And the next season, we were in a relegation fight, albeit that he got some goals. Uh, the season after that, Hall went down, and we signed uh, Stephen Hunson then, and uh, you know, we were in a relegation fight ourselves. And eventually, we went down. I don't, I don't think there's there's something to learn about. You know, players are in teams that get relegated for a reason. You know, even if they're a good player themselves individually, they have contributed to that team being relegated. So I think it's it can be a bit of a dangerous game to think that those, just because they happen to seem like they're decent players, they're going to necessarily improve improve your team. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, if I was picking someone from those to play for Wolves, I'd probably go for Mitrovic, just because I think we need, we desperately need another striker. 
and it, and we really want that plan B. And I think just having the you know a player like him, a target man, an old fashioned number nine, if you like, you just lump the ball up to. He would be he would be a very useful acquisition for us. But um, but yeah, so I I don't think there'll be many this season. I actually I actually don't think it will be a, a the feeding fest that it has been in uh, previous seasons. Mm. Um, I do think somebody at Cardiff. Um, they kind of held that defense together, and then it kind of went all sideways as soon as he was out. Was uh, Bamba at the back mm. for Cardiff? Um, I was pretty impressed by him at times, but I will say I also uh, much of last season thought that um, uh, defender at um, Huddersfield, whose name isn't his name. Oh uh, right. Mm, crap, I don't remember. I'll come back to it later. Um, but anyway, I, I thought he was one of the best players last year, and. Part of this is, is it because, Schindler? Is it Schindler? Uh, no, but that is a person that plays for them. Uh, Zonka, whose real <laughs> name is Matthias Jorgensen. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, I because I have to do so much um, stats work because I, I, I'm in the fantasy industry. You see names pop up over and over again, uh, and so uh, last year Zonka was really high up in uh, tackles, and, and this year Bomba's right up there as well. But you have to remember. Well, I have to remember that part of that is. If you're always having to defend against better teams, you're going to have to have tackles and blocks and interceptions to even kind of make an argument of it. Um, but I have thought that he's he's played well when I have actually seen him. Uh, so I think Bamba might might find a spot. But I think the rest, you guys mentioned just about everyone else. I don't think Moy could take too many steps up from the level that he's at. Like, I don't think he would help Wolves per se. Um, I'm not really sure he'd break into uh, Southampton's midfield, but if one of the promoted teams brought him in, um, just just the fact that he's able to simultaneously be creative and defensive is just a player ID you don't see that often. Um, and, and so I, 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 for one, would like to continue to see him playing in the Premier League. Um, and I do think some of uh, Huddersfield's worst times came when he was injured uh, at the end of 2018 there, so... Uh, definitely think he'll stick. Obviously, loads of teams will gamble on Sessegnon, as you guys mentioned, um, just because the profile from last year and this year he'll actually be affordable. Nobody was obviously going to pay what they would have asked for last summer, and it always kind of seemed like if they came up, he was going to stay anyway, regardless. Uh, so yeah, he's very interesting. Mitrovic is an interesting one um, because he obviously scores goals, um, top five in both shots and shots on target this season, but he does kind of change how you have to play. Um because, like you said, you can lump the ball up to him, but at times it feels like you have to lump the ball up to him in order to get the best out of him, which can kind of break up the rhythm of an attack and at times open you up on that counterattack. Because if you're pushing up, you're lobbing it forward, um, and then you get caught on the break, as Fulham have done many, many times this season. Um, that, that can end up being an issue at the other end of the pitch, but uh, maybe a little bit harsh um, on him. But I, I think just about everybody that we've mentioned uh, probably has the level or at least potential uh, to, to stick in the Premier League. So keep an eye on those guys going forward. All right, now we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with club-specific questions for each of our guests. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Sam, we will start with you talking Southampton. I kind of... uh I kind of blurted it out earlier that Southampton are now actually safe, and it happened in a very strange match. So if you wouldn't yeah. mind, just kind of walk us through the events of that match and then the minutes following uh, when you did find out that you had indeed confirmed your safety. Yeah, so it was pretty much, I, I think, the 90 minutes was sort of a, a good uh, sort of analogy of our season, to be honest with you. We started the game really well, pinned uh, Bournemouth back and got a deserved lead. Um, and then Eddie Howe, to his credit, made some some tactical decisions. But Ryan Fraser on for for Chris Meppham um, after about twenty minutes after Saints had constant pressure on on their goal, and it, and it changed the game for them. You know, in the in the first half, um, their first attack, their first um, the first time they had the ball in our box, they scored the equalising goal, and then it was all Bournemouth for the for the remainder of the first half, um, and then they got a deserved goal. Um, so then Ralph had to switch back to, to a three at the back because we, we started with uh, a four triple two, which I think he'll implement over the summer. Um, but we went back to, to the sort of three or the five at the back. We brought Matt Target on and, and we looked much better. We were we were all over all over and we had lots of the ball. Uh, as you said, we, we got the equalising goal relatively early on in the, in the second half and that spurred us on to, to get the goal um, to put 3-2 up and, and we didn't look like ever conceding in that second half we had we looked comfortable on the possession but then a, a silly mistake in the centre of the park from from Stuart Armstrong gifted the ball away and then you know a team as good as and efficient as Bournemouth on the attack don't don't need to be asked twice and, and they got the equalising goal so from that point of view the the consensus around the ground was we've, we've thrown away two more points as we did in the week against Watford and we were Feeling like we're gonna to have to wait for another another match day um, to to secure our survival, uh, and then Ralph brought on Austin with with five minutes of injury time to go, and uh, we had to keep the ball in the corner, which which sort of baffled a lot of uh, a lot of the fans at St Mary's because you know without the knowledge that Carlos had lost, we needed the victory to to maintain our survival and uh, there's a few groans but when the full-time whistle blew um, they probably got it over the tannoy that, that Cardiff had lost and uh, we were having another season in the Premier League to our to our relief and delight um, it's been a difficult season it's been a long season um, but with two games to go um, it's, it's just more relief uh, than, than anything that we've we've finally stayed up. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, congratulations. It was obviously a bit of an up-and-down year. Yeah. Um, but you ended up pulling it out in the end. Hassan Hoodle, who you and I have talked about both on-air and off-air, um, really seemed to do the trick uh, there. And I think he's probably one of the better managers outside of that top six. Um, and, and I'm excited to see a team built for him uh, mm. in the summer. Uh, what changes do you think we will see as the team tries to pursue that goal of, of giving the manager uh, a team kind of built in his image? I think for sure over over pre season, um, he'll revert to the, the four triple two 
formation, which we've seen a few times. We played it against Brighton when we got the victory away from home. Um, and that's the formation that he succeeded well with at RB Leipzig when he, when he uh, achieved second in the division in their, their first season in the Bundesliga. So I think that is the formation that he's going to go with. Um, but I think it's just a few players we need to upgrade on. Uh, we need uh, a, a centre-back. Um, Mayoshid has been fantastic when he's coming to the side, a really calm head, but he's always had a mistake in him. Um, he's a model professional and he's become a, a cult hero at St Mary's, really. But him and Jack Stevens might not be able to cut the grade if we're looking to, to be in and around where Wolves are this season. Um, and And preferably another striker. Shane Long has done well in the, the last few weeks um, and we've praised him for that. Uh, Danny Ings will be a good striker, is a good striker. We've seen it this season. He doesn't look quite fit at the moment. Um, so that's probably why I haven't seen him getting in and amongst the goals. But yeah, I think we'll be signing players, getting rid of players. Um, I think it's a big seat, a big a big summer for us um, as the, the chairman left, uh, Ralph Kruger left the club followed Les Reed, who left earlier on in the season. So it's going to be a big summer on and off the field um, where we're going to have to see what happens off the off the field. And, but I think, as I said, the 4 2 formation is what Ralph will go with and we'll have to sign players who, who will fit that mode. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Ings, by the way, because obviously he's had his health issues this year, which has allowed recent uh, staying up hero Shane Long to get in and amongst the goals. Four goals in his last five after scoring, what, one on the season before that? What do you think's happening there with Shane Long? I think, well, I think the stat was when he, Shane Long scored in um, our victory over Leicester, I think it was just the turn of the year in January, and his past four goals at that point to come under four different Saints managers. I think it was Puel, Pellegrino, Hughes, and, and then Ralph Hasenhuis. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that was a, a really uh, interesting stat. I think... The thing with Shane Long is, and I've been, you know, I'll hold my hands and say I've criticised him a lot over the past few seasons. But stats like the one I've just said, you know, there's there's good reason for that as well for for a striker. Um, but he almost fits the the model that Ralph wants um, perfectly. You know, he's a he's a tireless worker, um, which can implement the press from from high up. Um, and I think he's just found a, a really a, a purple patch of form, which I didn't think we'd see again, to be honest. Um, and I think that the quality of the goals as well, some of them, uh, especially the one at, at, at Watford away, um, mm. was fantastic. I think, as you say, is the fastest Premier League goal of all time, 7.69 seconds. But again, that just implements what Ralph wants from the team, you know, high pressing. And then one-on-one with Ben Foster, he gets away from the, the centre-back well and, and he, a delightful chip over the keeper. And I think he's got that in his locker, but with Shane, he's ageing now and I think he will be here next season. I think he's got another year left. And I think the, the quotes that Ralph has come out with in the past weeks, I think if we have to choose a striker to keep hold of out of Austin and, and Long, I think he'll. I think we'll choose Long for for another season at least, if not just for an option off the bench, which will still implement the style of play that Hasenhutl wants wants from his players. Fair enough. All right, uh, then we'll come to you now, Thomas, to talk about Wolves. You've had a pretty fun week yourself, including a huge win against Arsenal, and then obviously followed it up with a bit of. Uh, revenge against Watford at the weekend uh with those two wins it does look like you're on track for seventh uh assuming you pick up another win along the way uh which could lead to European football depending on what happens 
uh, in the FA Cup final. Uh, a lot of people touted uh, Wolves coming into the season. Some liked it, some didn't like it, based on uh, some of the team construction stuff. But as a fan, did you ever imagine that in your first year you could be immediately contending for a, a potential European place? No, not really. I think um, some people, because I always ask on my blog where, you know, obviously it's a standard post, isn't it? So obviously, where do you think we're going to finish? How's it going to go? And I think uh, quite a lot of people were buoyant about just finishing in the top 10. I was more like, you know, if we can be well clear of the relegation zone and not being a part of that conversation, you know, in the, in the back end of the season, I'll be content with that and then let's build. Uh, but I didn't think we'd do this well. Um, but the recruitment was that good in the summer. Um, the players we bought have all pretty much been phenomenal and improved the team um, in some way. So it's it just clicked and it's just it just worked really well. And I think that combined with players stepping up, some of them it took a bit longer than others. Um, Jota is one, started the season very poorly. Um, but then from Christmas onwards, he's probably been one of the best attacking players in the league. Um, you know, players like Neves, obviously, we kind of thought he would do well. Bolly in defence, Doherty, these players have stepped up and done phenomenally well in the Premier League. And I think they've surpassed anyone's expectations. So, um, so yeah, I'm surprised that we're quite so high up in the table. I predicted mid-table, so we're obviously doing much better than I thought. Interesting. Then uh, also, I was curious about your midfielders. Um, when I saw some people saying, you know, if you made a rest of the uh, best of the rest for a team of the year, uh, two people that I uh, respect a whole lot in this industry, uh, Dave Hendrick and Sam Taggy, I don't know how to actually say it, uh, were arguing over whether Matinho or Neves would have been more likely to be in that kind of best of the rest category. So from a Wolves perspective, I'm sure this will be hard, like picking which child to love the most. Which one do you think has had the better season, and which one do you think is the better player between Neves and Moutinho? Uh, I think I would have to say Moutinho on both counts, and that may surprise people, because I think it's easy to watch match of the day and see Neves rifle in a free kick from 30 yards and think, what a brilliant player. Um, But if you're a purist and you really love football... You can really appreciate what Jan Martino does. Um, he just never gives the ball away. And when you've got a midfielder who's like, it's like a, I used to call him the, you know, the human wall pass because it's just the ball goes into him, the ball goes out, the ball goes into him, the ball goes. It's just he just receives the ball, he passes it. It's just brilliant. Whenever we're trying to defend a lead, like at Watford yesterday, and we were weathering a bit of a storm, I just like get the ball to him. Just just get the ball into his feet because he will pick a pass and he will set the tempo. He has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Um, he's never going to get into these team of the year stuff because he doesn't. He doesn't do the, you know, doesn't do the things that get noticed on match of the day, really, or you know, any of the highlights show. Um, but um, but he is. I mean, and the great thing for us is that you know, presuming we're able to keep hold of Neves, is that Neves is still a young lad. I think he's twenty two. Um, for him to be learning firsthand off a player like Martinho and seeing how he works manages games and drifts into spaces and receives the ball i mean neves has had a um you know a good a solid season i would say uh based on our expectations i'd say he's probably slightly under what i thought he might be able to do in the premier league but um he he's generally been seven out of ten most games 
Um, whereas Moutinho has been an eight or a nine in a number of games. Um, so, yeah, so to answer your question, Moutinho won both. But I think Neves, obviously, at 22, has got the capacity to to become a better player. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I am happy to have both of them. Yeah, and you will probably have a fight on your hands to keep both. And when you said people can appreciate Moutinho, I certainly cannot, as Tottenham uh, failed to sign him on deadline day, as people may recall, and ended up with uh, American hero Clint Dempsey instead. Um, <laughs> but uh, obviously you have a very, very good midfield there. Um, if you were to lose one of them, not wishing it upon you by any stretch, um, how close do you think Morgan Gibbs-White is to stepping up to kind of that senior level uh, regularly? Uh, not that close, I don't think. <laughs> uh, he, not their level. I mean, that's he's still very young. I don't know how old he is now, 18, 19. Um, and he's a very different player. I think when he was coming through the academy and he was been playing for the England youth teams, he's been playing in a much different position. He's been playing higher up the pitch, like as a sort of a winger, number 10, even centre forward at times, I think. So he's been asked to do something quite different. I think Nuno's seen qualities in him that make him believe his best position is a slightly more advanced central midfield role um and he went through a purple patch sort of around Christmas where we beat Chelsea and he came on against Tottenham and he did some bits and he came on against at the Emirates and he hit the bar and he had you know he did some things but then ever since then he's been in and out the team mainly out of the team and when he's come on he's he's really struggled to adjust and he's he's been a bit flaky in possession so I, I, it would be tough, you know, if we lost Neves in the summer, let's say. I don't. I wouldn't expect that the solution would be to think, OK, he's ready. He'll just go in and, and be the answer. I still think he's got another season, a season or two of, of real development to come where he can gradually build up his minutes on the pitch, um, understand more about the Premier League. Uh, but he's definitely in the right place because I think Nuno's a tremendous coach and I think he believes in him. Um, but yeah, I think if uh, if we lose those players, we need to spend big to, to try and replace them. All right, well, certainly uh, high praise for those former guys. Gibbs White not there yet, but maybe a young player of the candidate for your club, uh, which will slightly, uh, smoothly slide us into uh, player watch, where we're going to discuss our internal player and young player of the year awards. Uh, so Sam, we'll start off with you in Southampton. Yes, my player of the season would be Pierre Hoiberg. Um, he took the captaincy. I think it was under Mark Hughes, actually, funnily enough. took the captaincy um, just before Hasenhutl took over, and he sort of spearheaded us away from, from danger uh, into the comfortable position that we are now. Um, just his attitudes, his desire, his leadership qualities, and also his qualities on the field, his passing range. And uh, I think... If you asked any Saints fan, I think it would be uh, be Pierre Hoiberg, um, just for the fact that he is someone that you can relate to on the pitch. I know there are only little things, but when you've been in a state of our club where in the past season, season and a half, we, we had no one to relate to on the pitch. There was a big disconnect between the fans and the players and the club. Um, he's really filled that gap and been able to make us proud of him and proud of the, proud of the team again. Um, in terms of young player of the season, um, I think there'd be no questions at all. I think Jan Valery, uh, a young player who's come through the academy um, who under Ralph Hasen. Who took, Ralph made the, the, the big decision to, to let Cedric go to, to Inter Milan in January meaning that the Valerie, 19 years old, uh, 1920, I think he is, um, to become the first choice, someone who's not really had a, 
a, a run in the team, but he's just he's just got better and better with with each game. Um, provided the assist for Matt Target against against Bournemouth, um, and as I say, his best performances, which sounds funny, is when he's not been in the team. Um, he didn't feature at all against against Newcastle, and we really missed him. We lost three goals to one, um, and then he came back for the last ten minutes against Wool uh, against Watford. Sorry. And although we conceded again, we our shape and everything just looked much better with him him down the right hand side. So yeah, player of the season, Pierre Hoiberg, and young player of the season, uh, Jan Valery. Yeah, Hoiberg not exactly old himself either, although very much an old soul. No, yeah, twenty three, <laughs> twenty. I saw that you know because there was a there was a debate on time that I watched the other day where, uh, about sort of what we discussed earlier about the PFA young player of the season, the sort of the the age yeah. you should be to register as a young player. And I think Hoiberg was still registered to be in that bracket, and he's mm-hmm. he's been our. Our, our, I say our captain this season, and uh, yeah, looks head and shoulders above the rest in terms of leadership qualities, which is uh, which is a good and a bad thing, I suppose, if you're looking at the squad. But as I say, Hoiberg has been been fantastic this season, and and potentially a coaching candidate later in yeah, his uh, yeah, definitely see career. That, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, then coming to you now, Thomas, to talk about Wolves. Which players stood out to you as your player and young player of the year? Yeah, well, I think if I was voting for our player of the year, which I think I need to do, actually, I've forgotten about it, uh, I would give it to Raul Jimenez. uh, And the reason being, I think he's the only indispensable player. I think if we hadn't had him, we would not have done what we've done. It's very hard not to give it to Matinho for the reasons I've kind of touched on in in a previous question you asked me, uh, because he's just pulled so many strings. But I just feel we probably, if we'd not had Matinho, we wouldn't have done as well. Uh, because we would have been looking around for, for someone else to fill that gap. But I just think if we hadn't had Jimenez leading the line, I, I just don't know where we would have gone. Um, so just purely for the goals and the assists and the number nine play he's brought to the team, it has to be him. Uh, young player of the season. I don't know how young How young are we saying is young. That's The literal cutoff is 24, but as we said before, our kind of spirit of the rule is around that like 21, 22 age, age range. Yeah, Ruben Neves turned 22 last month, I think in March. So he's been 21 for most of the season. Mm. So I've got to Ruben Neves. I mean, it, I don't think there's any. I think Jota's also 22, 23. So I could probably give it to Jota as well. But he did uh, play half a season. <laughs> yeah, well, he played most of the season. He was just a ghost for the first half. Right. It, was, it was an absolute shadow of his former self. So I'm going to give it to Ruben. Um, it's just he's one of those players you know Sam just touched on it when players don't play you would recognize I just think if he wasn't there I think I'd suddenly realize that we've been spoiled rotten for two years about how good he actually is um, so you know he he's brilliant I mean he's just you know he's got a he looks about 40 years old already <laughs> he doesn't look 22 um, but uh, he, he's got an old head on those shoulders he's experienced knows when to pass receive the ball, manage games. And that's the ho- that is the hardest place on the pitch to play, central midfield. There's no hiding places in attack or defence. Um, he's chipped in with some goals, uh, you know, some, some valuable assists and some good defensive play, which he's not really, uh, you know, it's not something that teams credit him for. I think they see him as a ball player, but he's quite good in the tackle, winning possession back high up the pitch. Um, so yeah, so player of the season, Raul Jimenez, very unlucky, honourable mention for Gian Martino. Um and uh, yeah, young player of the season, Ruben Neves. But if you're going for young, young, then you'd have to give it to you know under twenty. You'd have to give it to Gibbs White. But um, if we're extending it older, then uh, definitely Ruben. 
Yeah, um, for Tottenham, Player of the Year is going to be a very interesting thing. Obviously, this this is the week when uh, the email is going out to all the club members and everything for their votes. Um, what I'm thinking will actually happen is that it'll go to Sun. Um, it should kind go, of, so. kind it of should like... go to Sun. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just going to interrupt you there as an, <laughs> as an outsider. I mean, I don't watch all Tottenham's games 90 minutes, but I'm just going to say, to me, it's not even interesting. It should be Sun. But mm. there you go. You carry on now. Sorry. <laughs> No problem. I mean, obviously, he is the player that that has caught everybody's eye this year, especially um, in those matches where we were without Kane, except for these matches. But we won't talk about that. Um, He's provided massive goals, especially in the Champions League, but also in the Premier League. The late winner against Newcastle in particular leaps to mind um, when it looked like we were going to drop points. And at the time, that was when we were in the title race. (laughs) We were worried we were going to fall out of the title race without Kane. And then we did it as soon as he came back, uh, which was a bit ironic. Um but yes, obviously Son has scored massive goals um, for us this season. Uh, his positioning, I, I think, kind of messes with his rhythm sometimes, um, which is why I think some of the, the reason why when he's playing with Lorente, uh, his role changes when he's playing up front, his role changes when he's playing with Kane, his role changes. Um, the team is not being built to get the best out of Son currently. Uh, it's currently built to get the best out of Kane, uh, which is looking progressively more and more of an issue if this ankle injury lingers. Um, so Son has obviously been incredible. He will probably win the actual vote uh, and fair play to him for, for everything he's done, both in the Premier League and, of course, in Europe this season. Um, but the player I, I probably will, I don't know, uh, vote for um, will be Toby Alderweireld for multiple reasons um and i some of this is context outside of just what's happened on the pitch which maybe you know you can debate whether or not that should be taken into account but considering he's heading into the last season of his contract well it's not technically true but he he has a buyout for 25 million in the summer um the level of performances that he's put in regularly this season with that hanging over his head he was not the player he, he's been last season at times um, when he was facing injuries. Uh, I think he sustained it in the group stage of the Champions League and then missed a, a couple of months and then just didn't seem the same on his way back for Tong and seemed to be the better of that pair. Um, but this year, Toby Alderweireld has been absolutely incredible. And I think he's largely been overshadowed by Van Dyke and everything he's doing at Liverpool, by Laporte's kind of blossoming um, at Manchester City. And I just think people have quickly forgotten that Toby Alderweireld, not that long ago, was heavily considered the best center back in the Premier League. And the thing that's changed hasn't really been his level. It's been the levels of other people and the, the club successes of Liverpool and Manchester City. Um, so perhaps in a bit of a protest vote, just because I want to bring people's attention back to just how good he is, um, probably leading Alderweireld. But uh, Thomas, as you point out, I may be a profound idiot for not just obviously saying son and leaving it there. Um, but but uh, Toby probably deserves a shout. And then to kind of ruin my own premise here, uh, there's not really a young player of the year at Tottenham this year. Most of the young players that used to fit into that cord, uh, category have now grown out of it. Um, Deli Ali, I think, would still technically qualify, but he has not had a very good season um, in any way. A, a name that leapt to mind was Gazaniga, our backup goalkeeper that's been very good when he's come in. Uh, except I'm sure Sam will know this as well. Turns out he's 27. Um, so not so much yeah, a young player. Yeah, he's a baby-faced keeper, that's the issue. Yeah, who's never had the job for himself, so I, like, think of him as a prospect, and then you see his age, and you're like, oh, well, mm. apparently well, not that. about, um, Harry Winks? Oh, Winks is a solid shout, although he might be 25, I could be wrong on that. Um, yeah, Winks has been incredible when he's been fit, he's one of the reasons why we felt comfortable enough selling Dembele in January, although obviously that did not come back uh, to help us much at all. 
Uh, Winks is 23. So yeah, let's let's give it to Harry Winks. Great shout. Um, yeah, he, he's absolutely run the midfield. Uh, his passing is fantastic. It's something that we've really missed since Modric left. Um, somebody that can kind of dictate the passing from there. Even Eriksen doesn't always do it when he's when he's pushed a little bit further back in the formation. Um, absolutely willing to do any of the defensive duties. Uh, we'll go on lung-busting runs if he gets forward in attack, and then we get caught on a counter. Um, so, yeah, great point. For some reason, I thought he was older than that. Maybe that's because of his face. Uh, and maybe yeah, that, sh- that maybe I, that should be the barometer for young player of the season is how old their faces look. Um, yeah. <laughs> versus their well, actual... I think you can take you can take Neves out of it if it's how old their faces look. <laughs> it's about fifty years old. It's like he's got Diego Costa syndrome. He does. 50. Also, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the pair of matches that Oliver Skip has played for us, but he he's kind of the enigma there, where he constantly looks nineteen, which I think he actually is, and fifty because he has the, <laughs> the heavily receding uh, hairline at the peaks. Um, but anyway, we'll go from there into match previews. Uh, only a couple have left in the Premier League. Uh, obviously, chronologically, the first match of the three of us will be Tottenham versus Ajax in the Champions League. Uh, as I think it was Sam that mentioned, um, if we take this match seriously, we could go through. Um, but uh, Thomas's Tottenham player of the year, uh min Sun, will not be available for this one um, because he got suspended uh, in the back half. Uh, against Manchester City, which apparently he did not know when he committed that foul and was told in the post-match. And he did not take it very well, um, understandably, because uh, Kane's injured. Uh, Vincent Janssen, our latest attacking sub off the bench of late, is not registered in this competition. Uh, and Son isn't available. So it will have to be Fernando Llorente up front. He has done some crucial things. Uh, he tends to provide an assist just about every time he's on the pitch. Um, did obviously score a massive heading goal Um against uh, Dortmund and then the one off of his hip or arm, depending on which uh, color of blue you tend to wear, um, <laughs> would say, uh, against Manchester City. Um, so, But it, it will just be him. This will not be a fun match. We don't know if Sissoko will be back. Maybe Winks will be back. Vertonghen will be back. Um, so that's kind of the breakdown of the injuries. I think Aurier is still going to be out, so it'll be trippier on the right. He was rested at the weekend uh, with Juan Foyth playing there. Um, I'm my, At a guess... I'd say four two three one. Um, I'm not really sure who'd play on the left. This is one of those matches where if Lamella was fit, maybe play Lamella and Lucas. But Lamella seems to be out for the rest of the year again, so you expect him to be gone in the summer. Actually, Sam, I was thinking about how good he could be for a club like Southampton, right. where you know you're only getting 20 matches out of him, but what he could do in those 20 matches. Um, but anyway, uh, I really don't know who's going to be on that other side. Um, if we do play four two three one without Sun, it could just be Erickson left Ali up the middle, but that can only be the case if at least one of Winks or Sissoko are fit to play next to probably Wanyama, you'd imagine, uh, there in central midfield. I am not optimistic about this home leg. I am far more optimistic about the away one going there, even if um, we've dropped points, or not dropped points, even if we haven't picked up uh, a win or, or even a, a score draw in the first one. Well, you don't want a score draw because then they'd have an away goal. <laughs> Going there, knowing that you have Sun back, knowing that you're a game away from the final, probably have another couple of those injured players back as well. I think that's really where the difference will be made. Um, I will say 1-1, even though that's not a, a result that would really benefit Tottenham because it would give Ajax that one away goal. Um, but I honestly think that that's probably more likely than a Tottenham win with kind of the reduced numbers in the squad right now. 
All right, coming to you next, Thomas. Uh, Wolves versus Fulham. This is the match we kind of alluded to earlier. If you win this, you're basically in that seventh spot. Uh, are you confident of picking up a result? And what do you think we'll see? Yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident. Seen off Arsenal, gone and got a big result against Watford. Fulham, okay. They've got some results, not playing for anything, um, enjoying themselves. And, you know, somebody is giving a license to some of those players to show that actually they're pretty good players. You know, they can. Um, but, you know, we haven't, we're 10 games unbeaten at Molyneux now, um, which is pretty good considering some of the teams we've seen off during that time. So we have to be confident. And also, we've got Liverpool in our final game <laughs> after, and they may have something to play for in that final game. Uh, so it's probably not a great source of points. So, we should probably get seventh anyway because we're four points ahead of Watford and they've got to go to Chelsea next week, which I know Chelsea aren't playing that well, but you probably fancy Chelsea might get something out of the game. And then Leicester's two remaining games are away at Man City and home to Chelsea. Okay. Um, you know, Everton might do bits. They've got to go to Tottenham on the last day. So the fixtures are in our favour. But yeah, it, w- it would be nice to put it to bed against Fulham and not need anything against Liverpool. Because then we could just go and really enjoy that. <laughs> really enjoy tormenting Liverpool on that final day. Really digging in and making it as hard as possible for them to grind out a result. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm confident. I'm buoyant. I think if we play well, Fulham has that have an, a porous defence that I think we can get at and score some goals. I don't think they'll play. I don't think they'll park the bus. I think they'll come and try and play, which should play into our hands. So I am going to predict 3-1 to Wolves. Yeah, you don't want to go into that last day uh, needing anything. And also, then we'd see all those horrible color-shifted crests uh, where two clubs (laughs) seem to form an unsteady uh, week-long alliance. So yeah, uh, hopefully you can uh, secure that seventh spot this weekend. Uh, And then coming to you now, Sam... Uh, mm-hmm. West Ham versus Southampton. Uh, seems like neither really have anything left. West Ham won their cup final against Tottenham this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Southampton achieved their safety. Uh, do you think we might see some rotation from you here? Or do you think now you you, you can just kind of loosen up the reins and see what happens? Yeah, I think, I think there's potential to see to see some rotation. Um, as you sort of alluded to there, I think both teams are pretty much on the beach now. Um you know, there's there's nothing to play for. We've we've achieved our our target with two games to go. Uh, as you say, West Ham can't get into Europe, can't challenge for for the place that Bulls currently occupy. So it'd be it'd be a bit of a weird game. It'd be a bit of a weird atmosphere. One of those end of season games where nothing rides on it. Um, yeah, I think we'll probably see some rotation. Um, I think we could look at it at this angle that some players can be put in the shot window. Um, who we're looking to get rid of in the summer, especially someone like Charlie Austin, who I can't remember last time he started a game. It wouldn't have been for, for some weeks yet. Um, and I think Ralph has made it clear that he's pretty much on his way out of the club. So I think it's an opportunity for some of the players to to make a case for themselves either for next season at our club or or to attract players, uh, attract teams uh, to their services. Um, but I would like to still see us play a relatively strong side uh, it's always been a, it's always a good game between us and West Ham since uh, since the championship season where we were both uh, fighting for promotion obviously we picked them to second place uh, but they were still promoted for the playoffs so we had some good battles and every game since then has, has been relatively uh, a relatively good occasion so I'm looking forward to it um, but I think they'll rotate is 
probably more than we will. Um, I think they've got a few players come back from injury, um, and we've still got a, a pretty bare squad at the moment. Vestergaard's still injured, um, and uh, yeah, we're missing a couple of bodies. So I think it will be a case of both teams. Nothing to play for. Um, a more relaxed game. Both teams just trying to get, as, trying to trying to achieve as many points as they can between now and the end of the season. If I'm pushed to a prediction, um, I think I think I'm going to go Saints on edge at two one. Um, I'm going to be optimistic about this game. Um, we have not won in three, although we've cons- uh, you know we've 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 stayed up mathematically, so um, we will get back to winning ways because uh, yeah, West Ham are a strange team. Um, they'll always. They're really inconsistent the season, which is why they haven't been up in the sort of round round the seventh place battle. Um, so I'm hoping a West Ham team turn up who we can we can beat. Um, but I, I'm I'm going to go in there confident after we, the players are going to be on a high. So yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a two one victory. All right, everybody's uh, optimistic, but me, and that makes sense considering each of you uh, had better results at the weekend. A little more optimism flowing through the veins. Uh, That will do it for this show today, though, guys. So if you'd like to tell the folks where they can find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, you can find me uh, at Mr. Sam E. Cox on Twitter personally or at Fresh Saints or FreshSaints.com for tactical insight articles and, and tweets on there all about Southampton. Yeah, and you can read my ramblings on uh, wolvesblog.com if you want to read anything about uh, Wolves between now and the end of the season. I'll do a few bits over the summer uh, as well. So, yeah, it'd be good to always good to have opposition fans and uh, more Wolves fans on there. So, it'd be good to see you. Or you can get me on Twitter uh, at Wolvesblog. Always interested in a lively conversation. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find my writings uh, both at Goal Fantasy and at ESPN.com slash fantasy uh, if you're interested in that aspect of the game. Also, uh, we have a championship show coming out either today or tomorrow as you're listening to this, um, which is obviously going to document the crazy uh, winding down of the championship season. I'm, I assume uh, the craziness with the Aston Villa Leeds match um, that, that just happened. So, uh, definitely tune into that and to get a sense of who's coming up, which, if you don't know, Leeds and Sheffield United uh, confirmed to be part of the Premier League next season already. And then obviously we'll have to wait a while to see who ends up winning the uh, playoffs there. But uh, thanks to you guys again for coming on the show. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 